Welcome back to the Freedom Pact podcast and today on the show I am joined by Tobias Gutridge. What a story this is. Tobias is a former member of the UK Special Forces and he was on tour in Afghanistan when he was shot through the neck which unfortunately and tragically left him instantly paralysed from the neck down. He has a miraculous survival story and has overcome many of his own struggles and faces new challenges every day. But he is here to use his story as a force for good and a force for inspiration. And I think you'll see why when you listen to this episode. So please enjoy my conversation with Tobias Gutteridge. Well, my guest on the Freedom Pack podcast today is Tobias Gutteridge, a former member of the UK Special Forces, an avid motocross rider, surfer, overall extreme sports enthusiast. He is the founder of extreme sports brand Bravery and the author of his new book, Never Will I Die, the inspiring Special Forces soldier who cheated death and learned to live again. Tobias, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today, my friend. Thank you for having me. Cheers. I really appreciate it. Well, as I mentioned to you before we started rolling, um, we've had plenty of uh, Special Forces guys on this show before, um, such as Mark Billingham, Ollie Ollerton, uh, General Stanley McChrystal. And what fascinates me about you guys is the just the sort of mindset lessons and the personal development we can take away from you know, everything you've taught yourself throughout your career. Um, and I've watched a couple of interviews and podcasts with yourself and everyone seems to to talk about you um, and your career in, in high regard, regard you as a, you know, a top class at, at what you did. And so it begged the question for me, in your experience, what do you think the main differences are between those who are, average or good and those who operate in the top few percent what makes the difference well i mean i don't think it comes down to one specific thing that's gonna make the difference i think there's a combination of um quite a few things that just almost make the perfect storm really and that makes you perfectly uh suited for the job that we did if that if that's one yeah that's how i would put it you know um certain things like um just i mean the number one thing for me was once i set my mind on something i i i've always had this thing where i've become very obsessed very obsessed with it and I couldn't let it go until it was the best that it could be. And and that's from even when I was a child growing up, you know, throughout my entire life, anything I've um, set my goals on, it's become like uh, almost like a challenge between me and myself. So I've just become like a dog with a bone and I cannot let it go until I get to the, the best possible place that I can be and I think that's one of the most important things that I found got me to where I was and from chatting to my former colleagues 
um, they were very similar um, with this regards. You know, they everything they did almost became a challenge against themselves and they just couldn't let it rest until they were at that level where they, where they, yeah, they could, they couldn't get any higher. Um, and I don't know if everyone's like this because throughout my military career, I, I did come across, yeah, a lot of people who were pretty, pretty content with where they were and their careers and things that they'd done. And I'd always, find this quite fascinating but um for me and for those colleagues of mine who were in that sf realm it was it was different it was totally different and i think yeah that's that's the main thing i think i can really draw on for for your listeners is that you've got to become you've got to be all in you know 100 percent obsessed with something if you want to get somewhere you can't just have a half half go at it or a half crack you've got to be fully invested um and that really takes you all the way um whether you like it or not because yeah you just can't let it let it be if if you know what i mean by that so you talk about being all in and and you know setting your mind to something in your experience at a young age, what attracted a, a young Tobias to a, a career in the military? And do you remember the moment where it really clicked for you and you thought, I'm all in on this? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I mean, my family's always been quite affiliated with the military, but... Um, I think it was, it was, there were a few things there again. It was like the, the, I've always been, you mentioned in the beginning there, I've always been a bit of an adrenaline seeker. I've always wanted a bit of a rush and I've always, I've always lived my life on the edge. I've always been a bit of a daredevil and things like that. So the military has that appeal. Um, so that was the first thing that always, drew me kind of towards the military and um, I think there there was a a night when I was out, this was still back in South Africa and I was out drinking with a few buddies of mine after work and we were in a pub and there were these four, four guys sitting in the sitting in the pub by themselves, minding their own business, um, having a few drinks and a few laughs. And um, we were sitting pretty close to them and we could overhear them. And we could tell that, you know, they were English, they had British accents. And um, anyway, after a few drinks, they started playing this game where uh, they all started taking the piss out of each other. And then... They'd sit in a circle, these four or five guys, and the one guy would just slightly tap the next guy on the cheek, and then he would tap the next guy on the cheek a little bit harder, and then the next guy would tap the, the, you know, the next guy a little bit harder, and eventually it would just get harder and harder and harder. So eventually they were slapping each other pretty hard, and then it became a punch. 
and they just thought this was the funniest thing ever. And the, the, I think the point of the game was really to see uh, who would tap out first. And as a young kid, I remember this and I was so fascinated by it. I had to go over to them and ask them. And I was like, what are you guys doing? What are you, you know, where are you from? You know, what's this all about? And they told me, you know, they were all in the Marines, British, British Royal Marines. And I started chatting to them and they then started telling me the stories of what they'd been doing, what they were doing in South Africa, about travel, about, you know, places they'd been in the world and uh, people they had met, uh, the training, how tough it was, uh, how grueling, and it just resonated with me. Um, and at the time, I was really looking for something. I was really at a point in my life where I really was seek, trying to seek out what it was I wanted from life. And that was the moment that I just knew I was 100% and I was all in. Um, and from then, I just went straight, bought myself a ticket, bought myself an airplane ticket, packed a backpack and decided, yeah, I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell my mates, I didn't tell anyone. I just came over to the UK uh started packing shelves in Tesco's, rented a flat and uh yeah, uh went down to the careers office, walked in and said I wanna join wanna join the British Royal Marines. Um straight up, yeah. And uh never looked back really. But that was that was the moment that that, that night in that pub I think was the night I just thought, Do you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm 100% in. And I was fully immersed in it, fully, 100%. Well, what a story. And um, were your parents quite supportive of your decision once they eventually found out? <laughs> once they eventually found out, um, no, not at all. Um, I, I don't come from a very close family. My family's not very close. I don't have very supportive parents um, and they weren't really interested, uh, if I'm honest. And and they were just like, whatever, Toby, go, just do your own thing. Just don't kind of, just don't bother us. <laughs> um, so they weren't particularly bothered. And um, I think that, if I'm honest, that hurts a little bit because um, I remember when I when I passed out of Royal Marines training, you know, when I got given my Green Beret, um, I was I was the only person in my troop who's who had no family there at the pass out parade, mm. and I didn't have any uh, siblings or any parents or relatives or anyone, um, and there were all the other guys there who had their their moms and dads and brothers sisters and you know uh everyone else and i i just said no one so um yeah that, that kind of hurts a little bit and it i think it's stuck with me for a very long time mm. probably have some underlying feelings about it but um 
But to be honest, uh, yeah, no, I, the, the, yeah, the bottom line is no, I didn't have very much support, but I believed in myself. And going back to your original, original question, you know, what makes us different from the rest? You've also got a 100%. You've got a 100% believe in yourself. No matter who doubts you or, or what support you have, you've got to believe in yourself, whether that's in a business aspect, whether that's in a military, military whether that's taking on any task or crusade or practice, you've got to believe in yourself. And, um, yeah, so it didn't really matter what support I had because I believed in myself. What was it like transitioning from, as you mentioned there, you know, a family that wasn't close, maybe a little bit unsupportive, and moving into a space like the Royal Marines where you're almost part of a, a, a brotherhood, you know people have your back. Was that quite the transition to make? It wasn't a transition for me at all. Um because it was what I was missing in my life. Um, so I just fitted in uh, perfectly. You know, I, I, I had found my place in the world. Um, I was with, I had finally found the family I was, I was looking for. Um, so it wasn't a transition at all. I didn't find it hard to integrate into that that feeling of brotherhood and, and having people who actually generally had your back 100% and would, and would die for you. Um, because that's, that's what I would have given in return. And yeah, it, it, it was what I was missing all along and it proper just filled that little space in my, in my heart and in my body where, uh, that I, that I was looking for. So, so yeah, it was, um, it wasn't a transition at all. A lot of the, um, special forces guests we've had on this podcast talk a lot about the, the practice of being able to build yourself a strong, resilient mindset, um, from maybe putting yourself into uncomfortable positions, uh, on purpose, putting yourself through hard times and, and pushing through and, and just naturally building a mindset that, you know, people aren't just born with, they have to work towards. In your experience, you know, leading into the special forces, going through that career, what goes into to building a, you know, a resilient mindset in your eyes? And, and, and how was that experience for you? Yeah, building, building a resilient mindset is exactly that it's it's a practice it's something you have to work at and you have to work damn hard at it because it's human instinct not to be not to want to be put in uncomfortable positions um that's just the that's just a fact um but yeah what makes you tough is exactly that putting yourself through arduous situations and um, difficult difficult yeah situations um the the closest analogy i think i can think of which always stuck with me was 
um, what other, what makes the strongest tree? Tree is the one is the tree that's that's there in the storms and it's there in the gale force winds and it's got to fight to get to the top of the canopy to to get to the sun. You know that that is what makes it strong. That's what makes it sturdy. And the principle uh, for human beings is the same. You know, it's strong human beings. Beings are made by um, being, you know, uh, in in difficult situations, um, and that that's yeah, that that's how it is. And and I knew that from from uh, from the from the ghost set. Um, once I joined the Marines, that I, I figured that out very quickly. That you've just got to accept these um, uncomfortable, difficult situations, and then almost learn to love it, learn to switch your mindset on it, and don't, don't, uh, don't shy away from it accept the fact that the only way you're going to get better and the only way you're going to reach the goals you want to get to is by putting yourself through those really hard situations because that's what's going to test you that's what's going to build the character and you've got to keep doing it keep doing it over and over again um and i i figured that out quite early in my career and learned to actually enjoy it and try and and look for those situations because I knew it was toughening me up, it was making me a better soldier, it was making me a better person. And when I then went on to selection and went on to special forces, I think I had a lot of experience to draw back on. You know, so when times were tough or, or tougher than I'd experienced before, I knew what I've been, I knew how to sort of deal with it previously. Um, and I just took, drew back on those experiences um, and, and took the same mindset of this is going to make me stronger in the long run. Um, as hard as it is now and as horrible as it, as it is now, because believe me, it was pretty damn horrible. Um, yeah, I was, I was just, I knew it was for the greater good. You mentioned um, special forces selection there, and you know, for the average person like myself, I can't really imagine what that process is like. Um, I think you know we see glimpses or little tasters of of what it maybe you know parts could look like when we see these TV mm. shows that try and put people yeah. through um, similar situations, but we don't know what being in that position is like. I wonder if you could just sort of explain how grueling a process something like special forces selection really is um yeah yeah it's it's not i mean what you what you see on the telly and and what you see on various programs and things like that i think what they're trying to do there is get the basic principles across in a very, I guess, li lighter way, 
um, a softer way, but but trying to get the basic principles across. Selection is um, taking, you know, the best of the best soldiers that Britain has to offer, and they expect you to be at the top of your game already. So now they're going to take you far beyond what you've ever experienced before. Um, and that um, is, is extremely difficult. And they do push you to the furthest limits you can go. Um, and that's for obvious reasons. And it's a process they do, and they've been doing it for a long time to get the best out of the um, the trainees, you know, the guys on selection, because they're looking for certain things, some things that I guess you could build on, but there's also some things that they're they're looking for that are instinctive and that the soldiers already have. Um, and I talk about this a little bit in my book, um, but more extensively into the the actual selection processes, each individual selection process and what it's kind of designed to do and how it's designed to try and um, get certain results and, and uh, bring out certain things out of you that you might not have known you've even got, but ultimately they might see it already in you. Um, but yeah, it's, it was very difficult, um, psychologically and physically. Uh, but I, I, I enjoyed it. If I'm honest, um, call me sadistic, call me, uh, whatever you want, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it was one of the best things I've ever done because it taught me so much about myself, um, and how far and how far and how tough I actually was, how far I could go and how tough I actually was. It was um, a phenomenal process and uh, I'll never forget it. And I'll take the lessons I learned and the things that I learned about myself throughout the rest of my life. Um, and in actual fact, the reason I think I'm still around today is probably from what I was taught on my selection course. Well, I was going to say, uh, obviously going through, you know, something like selection, it, it, you know, it pushes you to places you've never been. It shows you what you're truly capable of. It undoubtedly builds more and more resilience. And I wonder how is that resilience translated now and helped you in this new phase of life, this new career? How do you carry that over? And yeah, what could you point to? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, that resilience, that strength of mind. I, I've been very fortunate because of what I was taught and, and the career the career I had before my injury. I built up quite a strong mental resilience to tough situations um, psychologically. Uh, so that really... I was I was able to transfer those skills into my after my injury once I was shot 
and I'd gone through my recovery phase and I got to the phase where I was trying to rebuild my life and finding it very hard. Again, I had a bit of um, past experience I could draw back on when when the chips were down, when times were tough. I, I had some previous experiences that I could really draw 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 from. So I was very fortunate there, and I'm sure there's other people that don't have that. Um, but there's other 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 character um, not characteristics, other uh, virtues that I learned throughout my career in the special forces. Um, and and yeah, courage in the face of adversity is one massive one. You've got to have courage, um, even when you're really scared. And believe me, I get scared. Everyone does. Being scared is not something to be embarrassed about or shy away from. It's it's humans being natural. You know, it's being normal. Um, it's about what you do with that fear. Um, fear is in- instinct. Fear is human instinct, and and courage and bravery is a choice. Human is a is a human choice. So you have you have the decision um, to how you face that fear. Um, so I had all these things that I drew on um, to help me throughout my recovery period and my adjustment period when I. Um, got back to becoming a normal civilian again and trying to build a normal life in in what was a completely new world for me. Um, the other thing that I I learned and took took forward was well actually two things. One was humility, humility, humility and um, always be humble. Um, always try and learn from others and learn from people who have more experience than you. And the other one, which was really important, was to always have humor, always have a laugh. Um, yeah, don't, don't take everything so seriously and think about the doom and gloom all the time. Um, one thing we do very well in the military is we love to take the piss out of ourselves. We love to take the mick. And, um, yeah, we love to uh, just have that humor. You know, it's almost black humor. And, and uh, that also gets you through some really hard times. Some, it, it just breaks the um, the intensity when it's really, really tough, you know, when things are really bad or when you're in a situation sometimes, yeah, it's always good to have a little bit of a laugh and a giggle because it just resets your mind and then you can kind of go again. Um, so I've always kept that with me. Um, always try and have a laugh. But, uh, yeah, these, these sort of virtues that I'm talking about, again, I, I talk about it quite a lot in the book and um, how to yeah use those virtues in the right way and in dark times um, and just yeah throughout your life you know there there are lessons that I'm very I'm very glad I learned at 
quite a young age. So I'm, I'm very, very glad that I learned them. Well, on the, the title of your book is Never Will I Die. I wonder when this motto, call it whatever you will, first came to you and how it affects the way you live your day-to-day life. Well, the the motto, Never Will I Die, is just... Um, it's like it's an analogy, I mean, for for just never give up. That's pretty much what it means in a nutshell is never stop trying, never give up, never surrender, you know. Um, no matter what happens, uh, just keep going. Uh, and... The the same came from when me and a couple of my mates, when we were young, um, we were quite uh, quite naughty and uh, we used to get up to a lot of trouble or we used to get into a lot of trouble. And, uh, yeah, it was just something we used to say to ourselves before we were about to do something pretty naughty, pretty... Um, pretty far out there and we knew we were probably going to get in a lot of trouble or um, well, or it could go bad, it could go wrong, you know. And that that was one, yeah, we used to say it to ourselves all the time, try and, you know, get us psyched, get us, you know, pumped for whatever we were about to do. And, and also we used to say it a lot when – we were on our dirt bikes when we were about to do some big gnarly jump or some some sort of crazy thing where, again, it could end badly. But going back to it, you've got to be 100%, you know, you've got to be 100% invested. And that means never will I die, you know, never will I. You've got to believe it. You've got to have that mindset of, yeah, I can I, – I can defeat this. I can beat this. And um, whether that be jumping, yeah, whatever, 10-foot gap or um, paddling out on that huge swell that looks like it's going to just swallow you whole or, um, or uh, yeah, or you're about to do something really, really, really stupid. But um, that's where it came from as a kid and then, Taking it forward is just always stuck with me to try and give me a bit of encouragement and a boost. Obviously, as I've got older, I'm a lot more mature now, so it's kind of evolved a little bit more of now. Just it's evolved into more of a, I guess, just a saying that, uh, yeah, gives me encouragement and um, when when I have to work on something or um, when I feel like things are getting on top of me, um, it's a saying that I can always think of and it always makes me laugh or it always makes me feel a bit of encouragement and um, that's why I wanted the book to be called Never Will I Die because it's stuck with me throughout my life. And now that I'm paralyzed from the neck down um, and there are some dark days and there are some really, really tough times, 
that saying has just kept me going, you know. So that's why it's just such a it's just such a perfect title for the book. Um, and I've got it, you know, tattooed on me and uh yeah it's just perfectly placed so that's why i wanted the title to be that it's extremely powerful man and um i want to talk a little bit about you know this new phase of your career and 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 what you're up to now and you know how you find purpose and meaning through uh what you do now but just to add a little bit of context you alluded to it there um and for anyone listening, they can hear this story in immense detail uh, in the book, which I will leave a link to in the description below. So everyone go and check that out. But just for a little bit of context, would you mind maybe explaining um, the, the, the incident that uh, brought your military career to its end? Yeah, of course. Um, so we were on a... We were on a job. I was um, I was out in Afghanistan at the time with my um, with my squadron, my Saber squadron, my SF squadron, um, and we were doing direct ops, um, going after high value targets, and uh, we'd been uh, given a job. Uh, yeah, we'd been given a job. That was pretty pretty dangerous. We knew well. Most of our jobs, we know we're going into uh, a firefight. We know it's going to get um, pretty nasty or pretty tasty. Um, anyway, we uh, after we'd done our orders and we'd gotten our spec of the job. And I'd gotten all my kit, kits and everything prepared, my rifle and done done everything I needed to do. Uh, we drove down to the helos, got on the helos, um, and we were dropped off about roughly, I don't know, about eight to 10 miles from targets. And, uh, yeah, it was quite a long walk in that night. Um, and these, these are basic, basic things that we do a lot of the time, a lot of the time, um, for obvious reasons under the cover of darkness. Uh, and we got to our targets, uh, and we, we normally, um, we use explosives to um, kind of punch through a hole or blow the doors off the hinges of the the targets. Um, but unfortunately, on this situation, we've been given intel that there were kids on targets and civilians. So unfortunately, that sort of method of entry was um, denied. Or we yeah, we weren't allowed to sort of do that. Um, so we had to kind of kick down the door. And uh, this made quite a bit of rackets, and I think it um, it gave away our elements of surprise, and gave, gave the enemy the opportunity to set up in 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 their strategic positions because they could they knew where we were 
coming from and and giving them time to prepare. So once we finally made our entry, uh, it just went, it went very kinetic very quickly and there were rounds being, um, what's the word, uh, rounds basically coming from all directions. And uh, unfortunately, I uh, and a couple of my colleagues got shot and one of the rounds, well, I caught up a burst just um, up, straight up the side of the wall and one round went through the side of my neck and the other round ricocheted off the side of my helmet. And uh, yeah, the one round that went through my neck, unfortunately hit directly into my spinal column and severed my spinal cord from sort of the high cervical vertebrae down, uh, which stopped me breathing instantly and um, paralyzed me for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, the, the guys came in after me, dragged me out and, uh, and man, started working on me and trying to save my life in the middle of the dark. Um, it was a very intense situation. We had guys, you know, still assaulting the compound, still fighting the enemy. We had guys trying to save my life, um, but also making sure the the area was secure. Um, yeah, it was a very intense night, but uh, I think the I'm brushing over it now. But the book really goes into the operational detail far better than I could probably tell it now um, and gives gives it that that real sense when you read the book, you know, of the smells and the sights and the um, what was actually going on. It really goes into it in quite a lot of detail and um, it's, it's very, it was a very intense night, but um, yeah, that was, that was the end of it. The next thing. I know I was um, back in the UK. Um, yeah. And when you sort of eventually come round, what were the, I mean, what I can't even begin to imagine, but what is going through your head right away? Do you have any awareness of, of what has even happened at this point? Or is it just someone's got to catch you up to speed? Or how mm. does that even... Um, yeah, I, I I remember waking up and just being in sort of a very confused days, very confused days state of mind. Um, I'd been in a coma for about three months. And uh, the last thing I remember is being in a firefight with rounds going off everywhere and being pitch black and assaulting the enemy, you know. Um, now I'm flat on my back, staring up at the ceiling. I can't move. Uh, my head's all fuzzy. Um, I can't talk. At that point, uh, at that point, I can speak. Um, and there's all these strange, you know, people around me that 
that I've never never seen before. Um, so it was a very a very scary situation, and my immediate thought was that I had been captured and um, I was, you know, under interrogation, which was even more scary. And uh, yeah, I had to um, I had to think on my feet straight away. I had to go back into that mindset that I was taught on my selection course of what ha- what we must do when we're in that situation of, of being captured. So I started going through the basics of that. And um, yeah, I was, I was very close off and um, I was only talking um, and saying things that I, I well, me- very methodically, you know, going through what I was saying because I didn't trust anyone, um, super paranoid. Uh, and it was only until my actual sergeant major came through and spoke to me directly that I started to believe uh, what what the doctors were telling me. So it took me a long time. This was, you know, after I two or three weeks after I'd woken up. Um, but that phase, that phase was very scary. And um, again, I talk about it far better in the book uh, because it's hard to go back to those, all those memories. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very intense, scary process uh, or period. But the British... Special Forces training is so good. Um, in a way, I was actually really prepared for it. And um, I was, yeah, I was really prepared for it. And, and that's all credit to the the selection, the British SF selection process, you know. So, yeah, again, obviously, um, there are a lot of... Um physical and and, and mental implications that you have to to deal with from this point on but one thing i'd love to talk to you about because it really fascinates me about uh, those with military careers is that you hear this common theme among them that when their time in the military is up for whatever reason whether it's injury whether they've just you know decided to retire that a lot of people struggle with a, a loss of identity because up to that point you know being in the military is is all they've ever known that's the most you know important thing in their life and all of a sudden you've got to adjust to life where you're not that military man anymore how did you deal with that sort of identity shift i found it very hard when i first um started to realize the implications of my injury and that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be that person anymore. Um, my entire life up to that point was built on being a very physical, active, outdoors, strong character, almost an alpha male character, if you like. Um, and all of that had been taken away in a split second. And I had to figure out how to, yeah, rebuild my life and figure out who this new person was 
which was in, in yeah, it was very, very difficult because it's like I was learning. Uh, I had to learn who I was again from scratch. Um, and I, I think one of the one of the things that you can also take into other aspects in 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 reality is you've got to be able to pivot. You've got to be able to turn um, and adjust. And, and then make a go of it. So after a while, and, and this again, it takes time, you know, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, I, I got to a point where, you know, I decided, okay, um, I've, got to, I've got to learn to make a life with what I've got and I've got to learn how to adapt and adjust Otherwise, um, I don't really know what the other, what the other option is. If I if I'm honest, what yeah, um, and I, I did actually at a point I started seeking out what the other options would be. You know, I did look at you know how how it was possible to end my life legally and things like that um, because I just didn't see any way forward. Um, and I and I was and I didn't see how I would ever be able to adjust, but I did. Somehow I did. I think with the right help and the right mind frame of what the SF mindset is all about, which is that um, resilience, that real resilience. Um, I started piecing my life back together bit by bit, uh, how I could best possible, you know. I figured I still had my brain. I, you know, I still had a very active brain. The body was shut down, but the mind and me as a person was still there, you know. I'm, I was still inside. Um, so I started building on that. I started working really hard on developing that. That and I, I went back to school and I started strengthening my mind, just like I would with my body. You know, I went back to school. I started doing my um, my GCSEs again, and then I progressed on to. I didn't just stop after my GCSEs. I went on to do my A-levels again, and I got four straight A-levels, um, four, four straight A's in my A-levels. Um, and then after that, I said, no, that's not good enough. I still need to progress. And I went to university, um, and I got a first-class honours degree in business, and then I wanted to build my own company. So I started working on that and developing myself in that aspect because I knew it was something I could still do. And I just kept putting in that 100%, that 110%, no matter what, just going for it. And I started chipping things off my to-do list and building and building my life, build my life, build my life back to a point where 
I felt like I had something to give. And and then I started building my company, Bravery, which was an extreme sports brand, which is involved in, you know, motocross, dirt bikes and surfing. Um, and that kept me back involved in the sports that were, well, just the sports that I wanted to be involved in. Um, and yeah, I started building this company around a message of also trying to take the skills I'd learned throughout my life and bring them or pass them on to others, much like what I'm doing now, but in the sense of a company or a brand, you know, uh, people can see bravery as a brand and a company and go, oh, there's a lot you can take from this. Yes, yeah, not just a T-shirt or it's not just a logo. A logo, that's an emblem or, a, you know, that's a badge you can wear with pride and honour. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. And I've gone on to write my own autobiography, you know, this book we've been talking about, um, and again, that's to help others and to pass on the knowledge that I've learned throughout my military career of being a special forces operator and uh, being a full-time businessman and all the pitfalls and all the lessons I've learned throughout my life. It's all, you know, just... It's all there. It's just you got to keep going. You know, you just got to keep going step by step, one foot in front of the other, and um, that's how I've yeah rebuilt my life, and that's how I I've yeah gotten to where I am today. Um, it's yeah, is you know incredibly in inspiring story, and for me, the the best part of it all is that you've managed to take something you know uh, that people would see as a, as a tragedy or something on a surface level where people would say you know it's, it's a negative thing and you've managed to you know process that spin it and turn it into something beautiful through you know a brand like bravery or you know the messaging you send out there to people is that what's important to you now is is finding a lot of purpose and meaning in in your career right now yeah, I think humans, human beings need purpose. I find without purpose, that's when human beings get lost. And that's where a lot of these mental problems that, you know, people are struggling with these days. Uh, I think a lot of it's because people can't find purpose. They can't find that drive and that uh, direction, uh, which is what human beings were supposed to always, always have since the dawn of time. Um, but we live in an era now where it's a lot harder because a thousand years ago, you know, our primary objective and um, purpose was to survive and find food and shelter and look after our kids. And, and you know, the world we live in now is very different. So to find proper purpose is very hard. Um so yeah, I, I now used my company in helping others and turning this really, really 
horrible, tragic, like you say, situation into a purpose for good or a force, force for good. And why not, man, you know? Um, yeah, let's just do something different and uh, turn it on its head and take all that energy and put, and put it into maybe helping some other people, you know? Maybe helping, yeah, maybe helping the youth of today or maybe just someone who's struggling. Um, maybe this story will help them. Um, that's, that's one of the main reasons I read the book, but it's, it's also one of the main reasons I started the company. Uh, and it, it gives me purpose seeing when I see my story helping others it gives me purpose you know i find purpose in that um and then i find purpose in my suffering and in my pain and struggling and you know all the horrible things that come with being paralyzed because believe me it's it's not a nice thing it's not nice it's not uh it's not cushy it's not all roses it's horrible and it's a lot of suffering but I just take that suffering and think I'll turn it into, yeah, helping others. And that, yeah, really focuses the mind and, and gives me purpose. Amazing. And um, I think this is a beautiful way to to wind down now. And, and before we let these guys know where they can uh, find more from yourself and point them towards everything, I've got one final question um, that I ask every guest on the show, no matter what the topic is. And the question is, uh, for Tobias Gutteridge right now, what makes life worth living? I think what makes life worth living is that you never know what the future holds. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, and, and that's exciting. That's exciting. That that's that should be um, something that should make you want to get up in the morning. You know, because you you just never know. This world has so many twists and turns, and so many beautiful things to experience. Um, that yeah, for me, for me personally, every day is just that. Is really special, and you've got to you got to make the most of it, you know, because life is short. And I, I, yeah, I just want to see every sunrise that I possibly can before before my day is done on this planet, you know. And that's that to me is worth living for, you know. Beautiful, my friend. So let's let everyone listening know where they can find bravery, where they can find the book, and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, of course. Um, so social platforms. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Toby Gutridge underscore official. Um, that's my personal Instagram. And then bravery, my company, is Instagram account is that's at bravery underscore uk um, to check us out on instagram and then you can check out bravery's website which is www.bravery.org 
www.ghostbusiness.uk um, and that's the company that I founded and everything we've just talked about. Um, but uh, yeah, if anyone wants to buy the book that's just come out now called Never Will I Die, you can purchase it on Amazon or on Waterstones. Uh, just type in Never Will I Die, Toby Guthridge, and yeah, it'll come up. And yeah, you can get an audiobook version or hardback, softback, whatever your preference is. Um, but it's a great read. It's a great book. Um, and it's it's sort of a yeah inspiration and resilience. Uh, and I think people get a lot from it, no matter no matter what background you come from or how old you are. There's something there for everyone, you know. Amazing. Well, all those links you mentioned there will be in the show notes below. Uh, for everyone to easily click on and check out. Uh, Toby, thanks again so much for your time today. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege to host you, my friend. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, yeah, I really appreciate him giving me this opportunity to tell my story. So thank you. If you enjoyed that episode of the Freedom Pact podcast, it would mean the absolute world to us if you would head over to youtube.com forward slash freedom pact and subscribe to the channel it's the number one way you can help support the show thank you so much and we'll see you in the next episode